Well, before we look into God's word together, let us uh, speak with him again. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. It is such a great pleasure for us to read the words of an eternal God, particularly when these words concern us so greatly. And Lord, we pray that you may give us understanding as to what you have said in your word and how it does apply to us. Lord, we pray that you may be with me this morning as I speak, and may I speak truthfully from your word. May I be able to explain it clearly so that people can understand it, and may your Holy Spirit be working on the hearts of the people gathered here this morning so that they are encouraged by your word and built up in a faith of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be particularly looking at the trial of Jesus Christ, which may be very familiar to us. Uh, many of us have heard this passage of Scripture again and again. And last Easter, we've been, we, last few Easter's, I've been working up to this. Uh, we saw Jesus get arrested last Easter on Good Friday, and then uh, he was questioned by the high priest. And now he comes before Pilate, who is the Roman governor. And so he's on trial there. And I think we're all very familiar with what trials are, what it means to have a judge and to be an accused person. I remember very young age, being accused multiple times by my sister of doing things, and she would run to the judge, who is my mother, and make all these uh, charges against me, and then my mum would be the judge, like Pilate, and come to me and say privately, sometimes she would kick my sister out of the room, so that uh, we could have a private conference about what had happened and what whether the charges were true. And that is what Pilate is doing with Jesus. He's got Jesus inside the palace and the Jews are outside and they have laid charges against Jesus. And now Pilate is investigating whether the charges are true. And the main charge that they keep bringing against Jesus again and again is that he is claiming to be a king. And that is a problem because he is claiming to be a rival to the great king at the time who is, of course, Caesar. Caesar is at the top as the emperor of the Roman Empire and below him there are many other kings, but they're kings that have his stamp of approval. You can't just suddenly exalt yourself up to the status of kingship and think that Caesar's going to be okay with it because really if you're not approved by him, then you're a rival to his uh, reign as Caesar. And that is the charge that these Jews have brought against Jesus and now Pilate wants to investigate the charges by speaking particularly to Jesus and finding out his side of the story as any good judge wants to do. They know that there are two sides to every story and they hear one side and now he wants to hear Jesus. And so my first main point this morning is that Pilate finds Jesus is not an earthly king. After having conversation with Jesus, my first main point we see is that Pilate finds Jesus is not an earthly king. If you've got your black church Bibles there, it's on page 1072 that we'll be looking at the passage, particularly verses 33 down to verse uh, 38. Verse 33, we see Pilate begin to question Jesus and we see that he sees that Jesus is no rival to Caesar. And we see that by his first question and the answer that Jesus gives. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? 
Are you the king of the Jews? And what does Jesus say? Verse 34. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? There's no confirmation from Jesus that he is the king of the Jews here, that he's a worldly king of the Jews. And because of his answer, instead of giving an answer, he asks a question back. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Now, Jesus isn't being evasive here. He's not trying to duck the question. What he's trying to work out is, what sort of king did you have in mind here? What sort of king do you think I am of the Jews? Because Jesus never says that he's not the king of the Jews, but he wants to clarify what sort of king Pilate has in mind. Is it a kingship that you've got in your mind, or did someone else speak to you about me and the kingship that you think I am uh, being charged with by the Jews? And so first answer of Jesus, Pilate can't do anything with that. He can't say, yes, this guy affirms to be king of the Jews. And then we see again, Pilate asks another question. Verse 35, am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Pilate has another go at trying to get from Jesus some sort of proof that he is the king of the Jews. And he starts it out by saying, am I a Jew? Jesus has asked, is it your own idea uh, that I'm a king? And, and Pilate's replying, am I a Jew? I don't really know what's going on here. It's your people that have a problem with you. I don't know what it takes to be a king of the Jews um, and what sort of sense they mean it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Jew. Tell me, what is it you have done? I'm looking for a charge that is going to be upheld in a Roman court, that you're a rival to Caesar. I'm not a Jew. I don't know how you do things. I don't know what sort of king you have in mind. Tell me, what is it you have done? It's kind of like Pilate uh, uh, saying, I'm not one of you. What's it all mean? Like when aliens come to... Um, to the world you see in movies or in cartoons and this kind of thing. And what do they say? When they get off the little ship, they walk down the little gangplank and they speak to someone and they say, take me to your leader. That's their standard line, take me to your leader. They don't know what earthlings constitute as a leader. And so they say, you have to take me to your leader. I don't know what it is that makes a leader here. You have to tell me. And Pilate's saying the same thing. They're claiming you are a king. I'm not a Jew. Tell me what is it you've done to make them think that you are a king over them or that you're claiming to be a king over them. You have to explain what's going on here for me, Jesus. But we see that Jesus uh, doesn't say that he is a king in the sense of a rival to Caesar. Uh, so Pilate once again finds that Jesus is not an earthly king by his answer. What does he say? Verse 36. In reply, Jesus' second answer is... My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is clarifying. He's saying, no, I'm not a king in the sense that they're saying, a king of this world. I'm a, my kingdom is from another place altogether. It's a kingdom of heaven. And I can prove that I'm not a king of this world, like Caesar is, like King Herod is, by the fact that there is no one here to prevent my arrest. That's what he says. If it were, if my kingdom was of this world, if I was a rival to Caesar, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. 
But now my kingdom is from another place. How do you know if someone's a king? Well, usually they've got a pretty good bodyguard around them and they might have a pretty big army protecting and the borders of their land are protected to show that you're now entering into the kingship of this particular person and if you try to tackle our king, we will get you for it. That's what earthly kings do. If you want to try and attack Julia Gillard, our prime minister, there would be some police around her protecting her and if you're trying to get into the country to do it, you have to go through all these system checks with customs and this kind of thing and, and prove that you're not coming in to, uh, to be hostile to the government. Whereas if they work out that you are hostile, they'll block you at the border and not let you in. And then if you try to get closer and closer to her, you'll get blocked and blocked and blocked. But with Jesus, he's not like Julia Gillard. He's not like President Obama. He has no servants around him to prevent his arrest. The only servants he had were the 12 apostles. And they've all run away and one of them betrayed him. He's there alone. He is clearly not a king in the worldly sense because he has no people there supporting him. No people to prevent his arrest at all. So Pilate clearly says, well, that's not a rivalry to Caesar. He finds that Jesus is not an earthly king. And then he has one last go. A third time, Pilate tries to work out whether Jesus is a a worldly king. And so he says in verse 37, You are a king then, said Pilate, because Jesus had said back in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. But Pilate's thinking, now I've got you. I've got you on a Roman charge. You have said you have a kingdom. Yes, I know you have said that it's not of this world, but you are a king? Let's run with this line of thought. You've admitted it now. You are a king. But Jesus, once again in his answer, proves that he's not an earthly king in the sense that he needs to be crucified for treason. Jesus answers, verse 37, You are right in saying I am a king, In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So there Jesus admits that he is a king. You are right in saying that I am a king. But it's an unusual kingdom that he is over. What is his kingdom over? Kingdom of truth. That's not what Pilate's looking for. He's wanting a king of people, a king of an army that's going to take on Caesar. Whereas Jesus here, he's getting all philosophical on him, saying, I'm the king of truth. And that clearly isn't a rivalry to Caesar. Jesus is being found here to be no earthly king. And so Pilate says, okay, that's enough. I've questioned you three rounds. Three answers, and clearly you are no earthly king. And so, what's his verdict? Well, he goes out in verse 38 and says, With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Yes, he's, he's got some idea about being a king of something, but there's no basis for a charge against him. He is not trying to rival Caesar. He doesn't claim to have an earthly kingdom. He doesn't have anyone here to defend him. And his kingdom is of truth. He's some sort of philosophical sphere he's entering into. But does Pilate find Jesus is a king at all? 
Does he recognise Jesus' kingship that Jesus claims to have? And so that's my second main point this morning. Pilate finds Jesus is not a king at all. Pilate finds Jesus is not a king at all. As I've said, Jesus never denies being a king. In fact, he claims to be born to be a king. What sort of king does he claim to be? Well, he claims to be the king of heaven. Verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world, meaning not of this world. It must be the heavenly realms that Jesus is king over. He is a king. He's a king of the heavenly realms. And what else is he a king of? He's the king of truth. He has a kingdom, and its kingdom is made up of the truth. So Jesus is clearly claiming to be a king before Pilate. In fact, he says, that's what I was born to do. Verse uh, verse 37, Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Some people are born to do certain things. And as they grow up, you see what they were born to do. At the moment with my children, well, uh, Pippa's not so bad, but Joshua, all I think he was born to do is make noise. He seems to do that very, very well. Loud noises, not just screaming, that kind of thing, being bad, but just when he's happy, he makes a lot of noise. That's what he seems to be born to do at the moment. Jesus, he was born to do something. He was born to be the king of truth. He has a kingdom. And who is in his kingdom? Well, the text tells us. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus' kingdom is not made up of soldiers armed for earthly battle. It's made up of people armed with the truth, who love the truth, who want to be on the side of truth. They are the members of his kingdom. He does have servants, but they're not servants like we see with Julia Gillard or President Obama. These are servants who are have their feet firmly planted on the truth. But what does Pilate think of this claim to to kingship, that Jesus is the king of truth? Well, he says, no, I don't think you're a king at all. And we see that with his answer in verse 38. What is truth, Pilate asked. Jesus has claimed to be the king of truth. And what does Pilate say? What is truth? Some people, it's a bit hard to understand what Pilate's true meaning is here because we don't get the tone of his voice. Is it sarcasm? Is it true belief that there is no truth? Or is he questioning Jesus and wanting to find out the truth? I don't think it's the last one because he quickly turns out and goes out the room. He doesn't really want to find out what truth is. I think he is saying that Jesus is not a king at all by attacking the foundation of Jesus' kingdom and saying, what is truth? You have, if you claim to be a king of truth, then you must. truth must exist. But he's saying, I don't think it does. What is truth? And so Pilate finds that Jesus is no king at all. He's not a king of this world as a rival to Caesar, and he's not a king of truth. Because what is truth? Pilate says. So we've seen that Pilate finds that Jesus is no king, worldly king, and he's, and he's no king at all. 
My third main point this morning, my last main point, is that people still find Jesus is not a king at all. People are certainly happy to find that Jesus is not an earthly king. He's not a king of this world. Clearly, if they read about Jesus, he's clearly not a rival to Caesar here. Um, We see that he never leads a military campaign. He doesn't have lots of people, soldiers there, supporting him, preventing his arrest. He never tells people to take up swords and fight for his kingdom and conquer uh, people by the sword and he will be king and ruler over them. No, when he's getting arrested, the one disciple that does draw out a sword, he tells him, put that thing away, Peter, and heals the man's ear. No, Jesus is clearly not an earthly king. And then we see his death. It's a shameful, criminal death at the cross. Jesus is certainly not a worldly king and people will readily admit that today. And people are also happy today to find that Jesus is not a king at all. They do not recognise his claim to kingship as the king of heaven. And that may be because they don't believe there is a heaven. They believe that when you die, that's it, nothing more. You go to the grave and that's it. It's all over. And so Jesus can't be the king of heaven because heaven doesn't exist. Or maybe they believe that there is a heaven, but they certainly just don't think that Jesus is the king of heaven. And they don't recognise that Jesus is the king of truth. They do that by doing the same thing that Pilate does here, where he says, what is truth? That is just so typical of our age of postmodernism. This is a Pilate is a postmodern through and through, where every text that you read, its only meaning is whatever you want it to mean. You can't get at the true meaning of a text. What is truth? What is true for me may not be true for you. We all have our own truths. There's no objective truth. And so Jesus can't be the king of truth because there is no truth. There's no objective right and wrong. There's no objective true and falsehood. And so Jesus cannot be the king that he claims to be because what is truth, people say today. So many people are like Pilate and they don't find Jesus to be an earthly king and they don't find Jesus to be a king at all of heaven or of truth. What about you? Do you find that Jesus is no king at all, not a heavenly king, and not a king of truth? Then I want to warn you this morning that your kingdom is of this world and not of heaven. You have no right to citizenship in heaven, and your kingdom is built on falsehood and not truth. It is built on lies. You might think you reign over your little world. You're the king of your world. But in actual fact, Satan does. He is the king of your world because he is the father of lies. And your kingdom is built on lies and not on truth at all. You might be deceived by others. And you genuinely think you are on the side of truth. But you, if you are not with Jesus... You are deceived. You're deceived by Satan. You're deceived by other people with the lies that they tell you. And you might genuinely believe them, but you are genuinely genuinely misled. And you may even lie to yourself. You have the truth pop up in your conscience from time to time that Jesus might be the king, but you suppress it. 
you lie to yourself and say, no, no, that's not true at all. And you suppress it down and down and down so that the kingdom of truth is not your kingdom. And I want to warn you this morning that if that is you, your kingdom will crash because truth always conquers the kingdom of lies. Truth conquers lies again and again. We see sinful lives crash by the truth again and again. The clearest example is the lies of politicians. President Nixon is a good example. Someone who built up built up his power and there was lies underneath it all. And what happened? The truth came out and his kingdom crashed. He was no longer president of the United States of America. And we see that happen with politicians again and again. Even in our own country, there's a politician who is there, seems to be in power, seems to be on the side of truth, but really there are lies underneath. And when they come to the forefront, they resign from their post. They're forced to. Their kingdoms crash because it's built upon lies. And it's the same for you. If you are not with Jesus, your kingdom will shatter. It's just a matter of time. But the kingdom of truth cannot be shaken. Jesus' kingdom is true and what he says is true. The Bible is true. God created the world. Man is sinful. And the only way to conquer your sin is by forgiveness through Jesus Christ's death of the cross through repentance and faith in what Jesus has done. That is truth. Everything else is a lie that tries to mishandle that. And these truths will one day be shown to the world. People will all understand that Jesus is the right kingdom. It will be either when Jesus returns or it will be when you die. That it will suddenly be revealed to you that Jesus is the true king. And his kingdom will last forever because it is the true one, whereas yours is being shattered because it is built on lies. And so I beg you this morning, come over to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of truth. Accept the truths contained in the Bible and don't listen to the father of lies, the devil himself. Become a citizen of the kingdom of truth before it is too late. Tonight might be your last night. Today may be your last day to be on the side of truth before either you die or Jesus returns. Don't waste the opportunity that is right before you now to forsake the kingdom of lies and come to the kingdom of truth. How do you sign up for that kingdom? How do you become a citizen of that right now? Do you go out of here and do good works, be kind to people around you, loving, nice, change your life a bit, stop sinning as much as you used to? No, that's not how you get onto the side of truth. The way you become a citizen of the kingdom of truth is by repenting of your sins and believing that Jesus' death at the cross, which we remember particularly today on Good Friday, was the death for you that when he hung on that cross, he was bearing the punishment for you. That is how you become a citizen of the kingdom. Repent and believe in Jesus. And then do good works as a citizen of the kingdom. Not to become a citizen of the kingdom, but because you are a citizen of the kingdom of truth. 
you're an honest person, you're a kind and loving person because you are in the kingdom of truth and not in the kingdom of lies. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for how your word reveals Jesus to us and particularly this morning his kingship, that he is the king of heaven and that he is the king of truth and nothing can break that kingdom because it is not built on lies and truth always stands firm. Lord, we do pray for anyone here this morning who is not in that kingdom. We pray that they may become citizens today. May they repent of their sinfulness and the lies that they have told to themselves and the lies that they have believed from others. And may they believe in Jesus as the only one who spoke the truth always. And Lord, we pray that they may believe in his death for themselves and then begin to live as citizens of the true kingdom. And Lord, we pray for those citizens here this morning of the true kingdom. We pray that they may continue to recognise Jesus' kingship. They may love to remember that they are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And one day we will go there and leave all our lives of sin and lies behind and be with him forever in a kingdom that is truth where there are no lies told. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.